Welcome back to the Press Room Podcast presented by Zwift, episode 72. This is the community episode, Legends, built by you guys, the Q&A with me, Jethro, the host and the founder of the Press Room Podcast. The reason why, Legends, I want to make this uh, type of podcast is because I just like to introduce myself more to the audience. Um, we've done 70-odd episodes now and many of you have listened to every single episode and yeah i feel like i just want to share a little bit more about myself um engage with you guys more because uh, i've got some cool plans for the rest of the season or the rest of the year sorry um and also for the next hundred podcasts that we do for the press room but before we get stuck into that right i want to say i found out earlier this week just how much everyone has spent on attacker gear since we started our sponsorship with them last year. It's been about a year and seven days since uh, we've been working with attacker. And you guys are crazy. When I found out what the number was, absolutely blown away. So I'm really, really thankful for everyone's support using the code CR-ThePressRoom, all caps, 15% off. You guys have been going crazy. It's absolutely nuts. And um, yeah, it goes a long way. It really helps me uh, with getting um, future sponsors. I'm after a bike brand at the moment, and I'm not going to pull, you know, hide anything. I want Canyon. I'm going hard for Canyon, um, and it makes sense because you know Canyon, Zwift, they all work together. So uh, you know, if you want, uh, you know, to keep supporting, all you have to do is just keep buying Attacker gear. Use that code. Um, and you know winter in australia so you might as well get some new winter threads i'm actually getting right i'm actually getting the waterproof booties are coming this week because i've got a gravel ride that's going to be really really wet in the southwest of wa this weekend uh it's going to be soaking and so i'm really interested in seeing how they held up so if you're thinking about getting some waterproof booties just hold off and I'll let you know if the attacker ones are the goods. But, legends, before we get stuck into this Q&A, let me give you the intro, right, of how the podcast started or why it started because many of you probably don't even know, and I don't think I've told this story before on the podcast, right? So here it is. I started this in November 2021, right? Now, that was when COVID was really kicking off, and before I started it, I used to have this job at a local cycling apparel company, right? Which was a great job. Now, this company got their fabrics made in Italy, which is what many people, many places do. And like all um, cycling brands, or most, uh, it was made in China. Now, we know that in COVID, when it was popping off, China and Italy were the first places that were just decimated, right? And shut down. So that meant that I got made redundant at my job. And I was like, man, this sucks. So I ended up getting the job while I was sort of waiting for another job to come through that, I'm, that I have been at since. Um, I ended up getting a job at my previous workplace, West Cycle, right? Now, during when I was at West Cycle, I was just toying with the idea of starting a podcast. I thought, well, you know, if there's lockdowns and that sort of stuff, I want to try and maybe do something that I've been wanting to do for a while. And while I was at this job, I had a just a coffee with a friend of mine called Rob. Now, Rob used to be the host of the Tax Turbo Talks podcast. Now, if you look that up in your podcast players, you can actually go back and listen to some pretty good episodes. And Rob was the host. And he was telling me, he goes, mate, you should just make a podcast. You'd be good at it. And I thought, 
yeah, I reckon I would be. So I went across the road back to my office and I opened up Excel spreadsheet and I basically listed every cyclist of note that I could ask and was would reasonably expect them to say yes. And I had a pretty big list um, just from my, I guess, involvement in cycling to date. And I was like, all right, I'll give this a go. So I started hitting up all these names on the list and they just started saying, yeah, sure, okay, we'll do a podcast. And I sort of told my story. And, um, you know, I think a week later, I recorded my first podcast, you know, using, I think I used Voice Memo and my wired um, Apple Air, like you know earphones <laughs> it was village as but it kicked it kick started it and um yeah that's kind of how it was born pretty sick and we're 71 episodes 72 episodes in now um and when i look back and see uh all the writers that we've had on this podcast um it really it's something that i'm really proud of right when i when i file the episodes away once i've edited them i save them in my hard drive and the hard drive has obviously the files of every episode and I've named them after the writer. And when I look at that file, every time I save a new episode and I see Dennis, Van Dyke, Norsgaard, um, Pedersen, God, you know, all the writers, it's crazy, all this list. I just look at that and I'm really proud of it. So it's been really cool for it to um, continue growing and I thought I would just share that story on how I started the podcast. And you know, when I get the guests on, when I ask them, all I'm doing is just asking them on Twitter or Instagram or sometimes I do emails now. It's a bit more formal. But when I started, I was just asking the writers directly on the DMs and nobody would say no. They were all saying yes. And you know why? Because when it comes to cycling, the the right writers know that it's in their interest to, to do interviews and fun ones like this that I like to do on the press room because you know, it's good for their personal profile, right? So it's kind of a win-win. And I think a lot of the cyclists get sick of the boring interviews that they often are subjected to at races with some of the more European um, broadcasters, etc. So, uh, yeah, that's my little spiel about how it started, and I'm glad that you guys have all been uh, joined the journey so far. Okay, legends, let's get stuck into the Q&A. I hope you enjoy this. Learn a bit more about me, the podcast, and have a bit of a laugh. I'll see you on the next one. All right, legends, let's get stuck into these questions. Thanks, everyone who sent a question in. Um, So good that I actually got some. I was mildly worried that I'd get none, right? But um, yeah, we got quite a few. So we'll just ching through them in reverse order, okay? Jay Forbesy, all right? He's kicking off this with a good topic too. There's 20 plus Aussies racing, elite racing uh, over in Europe at the moment without a contract. This has to be talked about, mate, 100%. And it's, I have to say, um, all the Aussies are doing really well. The under-23s, under-19s, um, ARA, Bridge Lane, etc. You're all over there giving it a crack. Um, and some of the results have been really promising. And I'll, one that really stands out right now are some of the ARA Skip Capital women. You girls, I know some of you listen to the pod as well, and you've even been on the pod. You've had some cracking results, and um, yeah, the teams will certainly be watching. Um, one rider that stands out, Sophie Edwards, without a doubt. Uh, Melbourne Awardable winner as well, Oceana Road Race Champion. Um, she's having quite the year, and she has had 
a cracker uh, of a European campaign and starting most of all just how to know if a rider if your results are good in Europe when you go over there if you're finishing inside the top 25 of any of these European races against professional riders you've got what it takes and Sophie's done that a number of times uh, really consistently in that sort of group two group three group one on occasion as well and there's one result here so go to first cycling stats go to the Belgian ladies tour which is called the Thuringian ladies tour I've butchered that um, and stage six look at this result Sophie Edwards right how about I read out the first four on this final stage of this race Lotto Kopecky wins the stage Machine, best rider in the women's peloton. Lorena Webis, second place. Ruby Roseman Gannon, third. Sophie Edwards in fourth. That is a huge result. And that alone can get you a contract on a World Tour team. Um, and once teams see that result, and they, they would have clicked on her name, gone, who is this? Looked at their consistency across Europe this year, plus a Melbourne Warren result. Oceana Road Race Champion, which is 250 UCI points. That, it's a big deal. They will be all over her. So that's a really good result. And um, I'm sure Jaco Alula, if they've got the cash, will be trying to sign her. But other teams will be all over her, no doubt. Um, but yeah, I think the IRA girls as a whole, all of them, Isabel Carnes, uh, the rest of them, they're doing um, a really, really good job uh, over there. And I'm sure they will have some contact from the other pro-European teams uh, giving them a chance to step up, if not this year, but next year for sure. Um, and then the men's side as well. We had the baby Giro obviously on just uh, last week, and you would have noticed that the ARA men didn't really have a great campaign. I don't think any of them finished the race, but it's at the end of a long, already a long campaign for the team. They've done quite a bit of racing there already, and they've had some really solid results. Uh, so I think they will probably be disappointed. You know, uh, Brady Gilmore, Hamish McKenzie, uh, Blake Angelotto, uh, Declan Trezise, like those sort of guys. I think they've already had their good results, particularly Angelotto, Gilmore, and, and McKenzie. Um, I'd be very, very surprised if they haven't had contact from uh, World Tour teams or Pro Tour teams um, already. And I reckon they went into the Baby Giro already with a with a couple of offers and um, maybe just took the foot off the gas you know uh, and it's easy to do once you get your contract um, you've made it and you've had a long season this is maybe their final goal for the for the European campaign it's easy to just go oh you know and the body switches off but um, yeah I don't know. That's 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 my thoughts on it. Um, we obviously saw the cars. You know, the, the riders get DQ'd for holding onto the cars up the Stelvio. That's been going on for years. So that's that's just the Italian cycling under twenty three culture. Um, reading uh, Mark Cavendish's book back in the day, the British Cycling Academy, which was responsible for Geraint Thomas, Ed Clancy, Cavendish, Blythe, uh, Conister, Ben Swift, Connor Swift, Simon Yates. Um, the list goes on, uh, Steve Cummings, all that academy was based in Italy. And um, they raced all these, you know, only European, uh, sorry, Italian under 23 races. And in that book, there's just stories of them saying of Cav getting dropped, um, all the riders getting dropped in these hard Italian one-day races. And then these cars would go past them as they're getting dropped. 
stacked with Italian riders holding on to the car. And Rod Ellingworth always told the team, the academy, don't you dare hold on to the, to the cars because the Italian race organisers back then were looking for an excuse um, not to invite these these uh, British riders. And it was the same for Jai, Stora, um, and Stannard, Rob Stannard, all those guys on the under-23 Australian team. They had the same experiences. So, you know, I wasn't surprised to see it, but I was surprised to see Blake uh, Magnolotto, one of the guys, DQ'd there, um, or any Aussie. I would Whoever it was going to be, I was surprised that there was an Australian hanging on. But... Hey, Blake's a sprinter. I was on the Stelvio stage. You know, if you're not holding on to the cars, you're probably getting pushed by like 10 people every corner anyway. So I don't know. What do you guys think? Is it, is it you know, is it disappointing or is it just like, oh, you know, they're young. Give them a chance. Um, interested to see what you guys think. Okay, Matty Sparner, next question. What's your FTP? Oh, legends. I've had a long history of racing, racing everything. This is like five or six years of racing every single race on the calendar, training all the time, 20,000 kilometers a week. I'm an expert trainer. Um, you know, I have a background in um, exercise and sports science. I'm a junior cycling coach, etc. But I'm an average cyclist, absolutely average. I've got a good race IQ, I think, which is why I make uh, you know, a promising cycling commentator. But um, bog standard, and maybe at my best, I was around that sort of 4.6, 4.7 watts per kilo FDP, so around that 290, 280 mark for 58, 59 kilos. But, you know, scratching at the bottom of, um, of A grade for sure, but mostly just a B grade warrior. Um, but I have to say, I would rather be have an FDP of 230 um, but have the ability to sprint above 1500 watts you know in a sprint i would take that every day and you'd win way more races especially at an average like level racing crits and stuff so yeah you know at the moment um i've had double hamstring injuries and um i'm just kind of really getting into i think i'm just more enjoying gravel and, and a bit of cx and, and just sort of riding a bit less so at the moment it's probably around 230 240 but i wouldn't dare do a test because well i just don't want to don't want to um div man if i can interview any non-cycling sports person who would it be yes well there's so many right um it makes me think of, um, of of biographies. You know when you go into a bookstore and you see all these biographies, you know, sports biographies, um, for example, and you see like cricketers and you see tennis players, golfers, they've all written these books, right? Some cricketers have got like four books. Like Matthew Hayden, I think he's got four books. Like some people don't need four books. Some people don't even need one. You know, your life isn't that interesting. Someone like a Shane Warne, like a Ben Cousins, um, Andre Agassi, these people, you want to listen, you want to hear their stories because they're controversial, right? That's how I feel about non-cycling sports people. I would definitely want to interview someone like Donald Trump or Elon Musk or just these crazy, crazy figures who... Um, you know, they're controversial, don't agree with all the stuff they say, of course, but, um, gee, they'd be interesting to talk to, no doubt. Okay, Hayden James, um, my man, I've got to send you those socks. I meant to send him some attacker socks. They're coming, I've just forgotten. But Hayden, Hayden says, surely some TPR bid-ons on the cards. Mate, 
I, if 10 people message me on the Instagram page and they say, I want TPR bid-ons, I'll make them, okay? I want to see 10. 10 and I'll get them made because I've already got some stuff in the works. I've got some designs in the works. I just haven't put them in place yet. So if you want bid-ons, we'll have bid-ons. But I need to have 10, 10 messages because then there's at least 40 of you that are interested by my calculations. Okay, Heinrich, he says, plan on interviewing any gravel riders from the US soon. Well, I do, there's only one that I'm actually interested in talking with, and it's Keegan Swenson. Um, yeah, I'd really love to speak with Keegan, and I'm just waiting for the right window to ask him. I need to get about a two-week, I need him to have a two-week break of racing, because, you know, that's racing and traveling, and then I will ask him. I don't want to ask him now when he's sort of going from race to race to race. I want to get... I want to get him when he's in that little week of rest and then that other week he's starting to train again and um, that's the sweet spot. You want them when they're rested but also keen to, to talk about their next goals. So Keegan, he's the best gravel racer in the US um, and one of the best in the world. So he would be a really cool guest to have on and he, the OGs will remember from Wollongong last year, I did actually interview him um, on the day of the road race when he was racing for... USA, and he actually did all right. I think from memory, he finished in the 70th place or something, and he never ridden a professional bunch race uh, or road race in his life. That is crazy for someone just to hop in like that. So yeah, hopefully Heinrich will, um, hopefully we'll get Keegan maybe at the end of the lifetime Grand Prix, which he's currently winning. Richard Izzy, mate, what a legend. Love the podcast, look forward to many more. My man, so do I. Thanks, mate, you're a big support. He says, which Australian do you think could dominate the Grand Tours in the next few years? Well, I think the riders that are going to be dominating the Grand Tours in the next few years, well, it's going to be Pog, it's going to be Vingegaard, and then it's going to be Ayuso, Urchinbrooks, and Evenepoel. I think they're going to win everything, but... If there's one Australian that can actually beat them, um, or maybe if one of them gets knocked out by injury or sickness, the next best rider, I think, is Jai Hindley. He, um, he's the one who I think is going to get third place in the Tour this year behind Pog and Vingegaard. Um, I think when the big mountains kick off, you're going to have Vingegaard and Pog going head-to-head like last year. Then there's going to be maybe 30, 40 seconds or so then it's going to be Jai, and then I think there'll be a gap to the rest. I think that's how it'll play out with no crashes, no sickness, touch wood. Um, and I think Jai can win another Grand Tour. Um, he can go to the, the Vuelta, go to the Giro again, um, and he can win. And I wouldn't be surprised if he goes to the Giro next year. Um, and, well, maybe I wouldn't be surprised if he wins another Giro, put it that way. Uh, I like Ben O'Connor, but I think he's just missing that sort of peak climbing power you know he's i think he would actually be better off focusing on one week stage races um and going for stages in the grand tours going for the big stages you know go for the up to where stage the von twos um those real iconic ones you know the kind of stages that you get the map on your on your bike uh painted on your bike the next year um so that's what i think Yes, it's going to be interesting though. Aussies all round are doing very good. Um, and let's hope Jai can get on the podium uh, this year at the Tour. He's an absolute legend. Okay, Cassia Boglio, legend. Uh, rides for uh, rides for Knights of Suburbia slash Live. Um, and good luck for um, 
the Gravel Nationals at Tassie, Cassia. Okay, she asks, how did I learn how to bunny hop CX barriers so successfully? Well, um, any of you follow my personal page, thanks, GN, thanks JN, you would have seen a couple of weeks ago, I did my first CX race, right? I, have, I can't believe I hadn't done one before, but uh, entered my first one, and um, I thought, yeah, I'm going to get stuck into the barriers. Now, everyone that races CX, right, you'll know the barriers. They are way higher than they look. They're way high. When you get up close to them, it's like far out. How does anyone jump these? So when you see the professionals jumping them, um, you know, in the Cyclocross World Cups and World Champs uh, on Eurosport GCN, that is no joke. They are proper high. But anyway, I was racing my first race, and I was like, you know, I had tickets on myself. I thought I could bunny hop them because I'm. I thought I was all right, pretty handy at doing a bunny hop. Didn't make it over, didn't even make it over the first one. Hit the front wheel on it, like just, and went over the, went over the bars. So, um, you know, there's two barriers there. I didn't have a plan for the second barrier. <laughs> I just thought, get your front wheel over the first one and we'll deal with the next one when we get there. But um, yeah, didn't get there. And I'll, I'll share the reel. It's pretty funny because there's footage of me going in slow-mo, in like frame by frame, going over the handlebars. Matty Pointer. Matt Pointer says, one, can you get us free Zwift? Well, I get free Zwift, but I can't get others. But you can get on Zwift for free. Seven-day free trial. Just get it, you know? And if you've already used that, well, you've got to sign up because, you know, winter is just grim here in WA and in, in Australia. So just do yourself a favor and just get on Zwift. It's worth it. He also says, do I like cricket? Matty. Cricket was my previous world. I played so much cricket. It's like 10, 20, 10. 10 or 15 years of cricket. Five years as a junior and probably 10 as a senior. I played for the mighty Edgewater Emus. And uh, I was an opening batsman and I bowled leg spin. But I bowled pies. And as a batter, I was very good defensively i just didn't really have any scoring shots so you know i scrapped my way to a grade level but i was just hanging on for dear life really um and the only thing i was good at was talking shit as you can imagine i was elite like elite at talking absolute smack on the field i'd be at cover and i would just torment torment all day and uh, i remember one opponent said to me once he said i was like a jack russell on crack so that should sum it up but i don't really watch much cricket anymore but i do follow the big bash i love the 2020 cricket in australia and um obviously the perth scorchers are the best team uh, west is best so it makes it pretty easy and we've also got the best stadium optus is the best stadium in australia don't give me that mcg stuff don't care optus is an elite establishment and it's so good to go and watch um, the cricket there because it's 25 bucks you can go after work um, and there's no bad seats that's what they say there's no bad seats at Optus okay Ben Glodes he says who has been my greatest commentating influence inspiring me on this pathway well if you guys don't know already 
um, I'm an aspiring cycling commentator, right? I want to be, um, you know, every time I go to a race, people say I'm the next Matt Keenan. I'm definitely not, but that's the kind of commentator I want to be, right? I want to be on GCN, I want to be on SBS, on the broadcast, right? And, you know, I started volunteering, commentating uh, my local bike racing probably three years ago. And then I would turn up, commentate, give up racing, and just commentate on the mic, practice, practice, practice. And eventually the clubs were like, actually, we're going to pay you to do this because, you know, we, we like what you're doing. And, um, yeah, everyone just got around me, and then all the clubs started paying me to, to commentate, and it was really good, and I got great feedback from all my friends racing out there and um, just the cycling community, and it really snowballed. And, um, yeah, I think I started getting gigs over east, and, and now I'm pretty regularly flying over east for the biggest races uh, in Australia. Um, obviously did the, the Australian Road Nationals uh, this year, did the Bay Crits, of course, with Phil Liggett, with Dave McKenzie, with Macca, with Pat Shaw, um, commentating with them. And um, basically, I think I've positioned myself at the moment, right, as uh, maybe the main venue commentator for Australian cycling races, um, which is great, but I want to be on the broadcast, right? So I'm just trying to break through that that barrier. And um, SBS is probably the first, um, maybe the next step. And I got a little bit of SBS uh, work on the broadcast at Melbourne and Warrnambool. I was there doing the venue commentating there. And I got to do the before and after interviews um, for the race uh, on SBS for the coverage, which was really cool. And Chris Froome was my first uh, ever live TV interview. That was pretty sick. But obviously, I want to be on the broadcast. I've just got to keep practicing and um and 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 throwing my name out there and and it'll it'll happen it's my big dream but ben to answer your question who's been my greatest commentating influence mate without a doubt matthew keaton he is my idol in the commentary world um i love listening to matt stevens and rob hatch is the goat of european racing but matty keaton has always been my greatest um well, just my, my most inspiration because, you know, Kino is not an ex-pro cyclist. Like, we all know he used to be a very good cyclist and he was um, an under-23 Australian road champion. But, you know, he's not on the broadcast because he used to be a pro, you know. And many who many ex-pros who are on uh, professional commentary now, you know, that's not to say that they're on there because they were good bike riders. Um, but... The path that Maddie took to get to the broadcast level is one that I'd like to follow. And um, he always he said this quote once, which I've always stuck by, and it's volunteer for the job you want to have, and then eventually um, you'll get paid, and you know if you're good enough and you, and, you, and you practice enough. And that's something that has worked for me uh, so far. Um, and uh, you know, I hope just to keep growing. So Kino knows that I absolutely froth him, and you know, when we were commentating together at Road Nats, it was um, you know, yeah, it probably was probably a bit weird for him because <laughs> it's like this dude sitting next to him that absolutely froths him. I had to like be professional and um, get it done. But anyway, Kino, shout out, mate, you're a legend, you're a big inspiration to me, and um, yeah, hopefully one day I'll be next year on the Tour de France coverage, James. My man, he says, pick a squad to ride the 2024 Tour de France Femmes, and you also have to pick what bikes and equipment. So I'm basically picking a team. That's bloody difficult, but that is actually difficult. But if I was going to pick a 
team. Let's just say I'll pick a team of four. I'm just going to pick a team of four. I'm definitely picking Lorena Webers as the sprinter. No doubt about it. I'm picking Mariana Voss, who is the greatest women's cyclist of all time. You can't not have Mariana. I will then take... Oh, I'll then take... Mm, this is a tough... Oh, Lotta Kopecky. Can't not take Lotta Kopecky. And then the fourth rider. It's got to be... It's got to be the Roubaix. It's got to be the Roubaix winner. I'm having a mental blank now. Oh, Alison Jackson. It's got to be Alison Jackson. Those are my top four that I would pick in my squad. Um, and then actually I'll add a fifth. Serge Ganti. Have to put her in there. The climbing machine. Gigi's move. And then bikes. We're riding Canyon Air Roads all day long. We're riding Canyon Air Roads all day long. Shram. And, uh, you know, that's the squad. That's my Tour de France Femme squad. Um... Yoga and Pancakes says, and this is Kat, by the way, shout out Kat. She says, if if I had to choose between amputation of both thumbs <laughs> or never having a flurry again, what would I do? So, for those who don't know, in WA we have like our chain of coffee, of cafes, like their Gloria Jeans, Starbucks, that sort of thing. In WA it's called Dome, Dome Coffees, right? And that's the amateur team like local team that I ride with. Dome have these wicked biscuits, right? These are the most elite things you've ever had at the end of a bike ride. It's called a Florentine. We all know what a Florentine is, but these are huge. They're like sizes of dinner plates, right? And um, I think I've just become a, a connoisseur of Florentines, of Floris, as we say. So if I had to choose between amputation of both thumbs or never having a flurry again, I would definitely amputate both thumbs. Don't eat them. You got, you got 10 fingers. Get rid of them. I can't be giving up flurries. Um, Megan. Megan. This is this is a home question, right? So Megan's my beautiful fiance. She's actually sitting on the TV. She's sitting next to me on the couch right now. She's got headphones on, wearing an hoodie, and she's watching something on Netflix. But she says, how do my favorite three episodes compare to the top three most downloaded episodes? So um, are they the same? Well, I'll have to get them up because, one, I don't know which are the best performing episodes. I think I know. But my favourite episodes, right? We've done 72 or 71 episodes, right? Oh, that's a tough one. It's a really tough one. Obviously, you guys would know. Uh, I, Whenever I'm doing the... Um, episodes with any of the Aussie riders or riders that I'm already friends with. Those ones, it's a lot of fun. But I have to say, uh, some of my favourites have been with the European women. Um, Emma Norsgaard was a big uh, favourite of mine um, that we did just before Roubaix. And I think it was just Emma's cool nature. She just had a cool um, energy about her. And I really liked that interview. That was a cracker. Um, and I think that one is the worst performing episode that I've done. Emma Norsgaard, one of the best women cyclists in the world. And then I followed that one up with Ellen Van Dyke, who is an absolute legend and broke the news of her doing the hour record. And it was like two days before Roubaix. And that one again was an absolute stinker. And it kind of gave me the idea that, you know, the European focus isn't so important to you guys. But um, those two episodes are really cool, right? They're not my favorites, but Emma was definitely a favorite. Rowan Dennis, no doubt about it. Rowan's episode is gold. That's definitely one of my favorite ones. Um, 
that I've ever done, only because Rowan is Rowan. That's just, he is what you get. There's no hiding, he just says whatever he likes, and I love people like that. So Rowan is definitely a favorite, and then I would say, oh, it's so hard. There's so many good episodes. Then I would say, hmm, oh, it's gotta be my original with Plappy, going right back to episode three of the pod, the original, because I found out that Plappy and I are actually a very similar person. But how does that compare with the top three most popular episodes? Well, I'm sure you guys would be interested. Let's see, what are the top ten, top three episodes for the podcast? I'm just going on the stats here, right? Let's have a look. Top three. Wow, there you go. The most listened episode is Dan Lloyd from GCN, the GCN host. Second most is Jai Hindley, the uh, uh, 2022 episode. And the third one is when we did Plappy and Georgia Baker. So those are the top three episodes. Wow, the Dan Lloyd one. That was up there. Crazy. I can't believe that's up there already. Well, there you go. That's pretty cool. So those are the top three. And my top three favorite ones were Emma Norsgaard, Rowan Dennis, and my original Plappy episode. Um where we basically met that was the top three so yeah that's that pretty interesting actually and then also megan follows up with this question any episodes performed different to what i expected um well i have to say there must have been all you legends in the uk listening to the dan lloyd episode because that definitely wasn't even in the top five when i checked like six months ago um i would say emma norsgaard and ellen van dyke at the time i thought those episodes would do a lot better um, then I remembered that, of course, many of you guys, it's mainly Australians that listen to this, Australian, New Zealand. Um, and probably, um, oh, Maddie Richo, that was a good episode too. Shout out to Richo. God, there's so many good episodes. That's probably it. Those two European ones kind of surprised me at the time. Um, but now I wouldn't be surprised when the European writers don't quite get as good a run. Um... Okay, Melbourne to Warrnambool page. Love it. Which marquee rider should the Melbourne to Warrnambool sign next year? Well, obviously we had Chris Froome ride the Melbourne to Warney. Um, and if you guys don't know what the Melbourne to Warney is, it is Australia's longest race. It's the second longest race in the world next to Milano San Remo. And it's been going for over 100 years. Crazy, crazy race. Forbesy says Brenton Jones needs to ride it. Yes, he does. Um, Sandy hasn't won that. I think he's been top three before. But which marquee rider? It has to be someone doing Tour Down Under because obviously they're there, um, you know, doing a bit of some, some base Ks in Australia before they go to Europe. So there's the actual chance of them riding. And that's the reason why um, Chris Froome rode uh, the Melbourne Warnable. Um, he was training with Simon Clark, I'm pretty sure. And Clark, he had to go to Europe and um, suggested that he should stay a little bit longer and... Um, and race the warning and Froomey did it for free he didn't take a payment all he asked was that the race donate to his charity uh, back in um, Kenya where he's from which is pretty cool so shout out to Froomey you know he doesn't just do races for for money but which marquee rider well with the Herald Sun tour back 2024 I reckon there might be quite a few that race the Melbourne Warnable I reckon but um I'd love to see Sagan ride it. That would just be crazy. Imagine Peter Sagan riding the Melbourne Warnable. Like, it wouldn't happen, but, poor, geez, that would be crazy. 
Okay, Clint Flood, Flood Dog. He goes, am I closer with my mum or Luke Plapp? <laughs> oh, Plappy, mate. Plappy is a legend. He's an absolute legend. I think if we weren't in cycling and we'd met on the cricket field, we would be absolute best mates for sure. Um, me and Plappy talk quite a bit on WhatsApp and he's always filling me in with what he's up to. And... Um, yeah, Plappy's a legend. Maybe, maybe Plappy just. James says, what's the best yoga retreat I've been on? Um, oh, did you guys even get the reference last week with Blake Quick? So, obviously, um, at the start of the episode, I said, oh, I heard you've been on a bit of a yoga retreat. Well, you know, he'd had his week off and it'd been a pretty big send from uh, what I'd heard. So, that was a bit of an inside joke there, but... Oh, mate, your Bucks party, James, was the best yoga retreat I've been on. Um, can't wait for mine, actually. I'm definitely getting past 8.30, that's for sure. 8.30 p.m. Okay, Dirty Warning Page says, what is the best gravel race in Australia? It is definitely... It is... Oh, it's tough. It's seven gravel race. Absolutely no doubt about it, but the Dirty Warning is sniffing at its heels, and it's only at its second edition. So if you're racing Dirty Warning this year, or you're thinking about it, please do. I was there last year for the inaugural, uh, making the video for it on YouTube, and also commentating everyone through at the end. Um, I'll be doing the same again this year. Uh, but hopefully my video will be a little bit better, because I'll have a driver. Fingers crossed. Last year I was supposed to have a driver. We would drive me around the course so I could do filming. Um, but the driver, I think, got COVID the day before, so I had to drive myself and then get the footage. It was a bit of a um, challenge, so I'm hoping this year I'll get a dedicated driver so I can get even better footage. But if you're thinking about racing one gravel race this year, it has to be Dirty Warning. The scenes, the the, the scenes you're riding um, through the Otway forests, it's just unbelievable. And the material, really impressed with the, with the surface, I have to say. So, um, yeah, especially if you're in WA and you want to do Dirty Warning, we can organise a charter plane if we get enough riders. So make sure you hit me up. Okay, Mark Geary, he says, uh, what day in Australia is the best cycling event? So what day in Australia has the best cycling event? Absolute no question, Boxing Day Papas. 26th of December, Boxing Day Papas. Big bunch ride here in Australia. I'm not even going to try and explain it. Just go to the TPR YouTube channel and watch the Boxing Day Papers video. That's all you need to do. Just watch that. What is Mark Geary, which by the way, um, check out O, I think it's Ogram on Instagram. He does some great photos, Mark Geary, um, and he's been a big fan of the pod. So thanks, Mark. Absolute champion. He says, what's my favorite cycling discipline to watch? Well, that's a tough one. I... I love watching road cycling, um, and overall, that would be my favourite, like a like a Paris-Roubaix, that sort of stuff. Um, Paris-Roubaix, Milan-Saint-Ramo, the Tour. I love the sprint stages of the Tour or a good mountain stage, but I really love watching the cyclocross, and I love watching the short track mountain bike, um, the UCI level stuff. I love watching that. So I'll probably have to say my favourite cycling discipline is split between. Uh, a CX when you've got the big three, Pidcock, Van Art, and Vanderpoel, and it's a muddy course because that brings Pidcock into it more. Um, it's split between that CX scenario and short track mountain bike. I love watching short track mountain bike. 
my favorite discipline to race myself definitely criteriums i love filthy not just any criterium i'm talking a absolute feral town circuit uh anything inside a town center tight roads um, fast corners crowds uh yeah your feral feral inner city circuits that's what i'm all about and i have to say if we had another one here in perth um they are even more fun to commentate than race so um yeah there you go and finally final question legends Sarah Giganti, GG's Move, OG podcast follower. And actually, Sarah was episode... Oh, what was she? Sarah was like OG episode. Maybe like second or third. She's definitely up there, but she's obviously been on the podcast twice. Sarah, we'll have to do another podcast, Sarah, by the way. I think we need to do Tour de France Femmes. Um race recaps that's what i think sarah so um check your dms okay because we'll we should at least do one like we did last year we did the the queen stage i reckon we do another but sarah says would you rather do the indie pack on a 25 kilo mountain bike or do an everest on a single speed once a week for a year jack thompson style oh the Indy Pack is the race from Fremantle to Sydney across the Nullarbor in Australia. So it's basically, for anyone listening in the UK or in the Netherlands, uh, New Zealand, US, it's from riding from one side of Australia to the other. And there's one big road that does, there's like 70% across the middle. It's called the Nullarbor. Um, and people ride it. And you, yeah, it's pretty tough. A headwind, basically, the entire time. I would... I mean, I, Sarah, I love the Indy Pack, and I used to follow it back in the day when, when, when Cycling Maven was doing it and that sort of stuff, but I think they should not be doing that because the Nullarbor is not somewhere we should be cycling. It's just not. There's trucks on there, and there's reason why people die on that road cycling. It's, there's some roads you should be riding and some roads you shouldn't, but, oh, the 25-kilo mountain bike... Jeez, you have fat tires on there as well. It'd be so slow. You'd be crawling. Um, but an Everest on a single speed once a week. Um, I actually take the Everest. I take the Everest, and you didn't say what gearing I get to choose. I'll choose an 11 cog at the front and a Eagle Shram Eagle 50 tooth at the back, and I'll do that on a single speed. Easy, easy, um, no problem. Okay, well, that's Legends. That's it. That's the q and I hope you guys enjoyed this episode um, and learned a little bit more about me. Uh, I'd like to do some more episodes, maybe recapping um, key events that happened throughout the cycling season, both European and Australian. Um, so if you enjoyed this one, let me know. You've got to send me a message because I don't know. I thought I'd just try something different. But um, we'll be back with uh, our usual programming next week um, or the week after. Plappy is going to be the next guest. And then we've got a big German sprinter on the way. And in fact, we might even have two German sprinters coming up, uh, which is going to be really, really cool. Just got to lock in those dates um, and then we'll be away. So back to normal programming next week. Legends, thanks for listening. Thanks to the sponsors, Zwift, Smith, Attacker. We'll see you on the next one.